Hello again, and welcome to Contemplative Episcopalian, a podcast of St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Beloit, Wisconsin. As always, I am Father T.J. Humphrey, and for this episode, we're going to talk about what it means to be healthy. Uh, We talk about the physical aspects along with the spiritual aspects, and I have to be honest, I really hate naming them that way, distinguishing between physical and spiritual, because it implies that they're two distinct things, when really they're not. (laughs) But we're really heavily leaning in and talking about what it means for our physical bodies to be healthy and the types of things that go into it. Um, But we end up having a pretty intense spiritual conversation by the end of the conversation as well. Um, And so I don't like making the distinction distinction between physical and spiritual because there really is none. But in order to have a conversation, (laughs) you kind of have to make somewhat of a distinction. For this episode, I interview Kurt McDowell. Kurt McDowell is a personal trainer and a strength conditioning coach. He graduated with his master's in nutrition and exercise from Southeast Missouri State University. Kurt specializes in athletic development and body composition changes. And he also works at his church as a part-time middle middle school uh, ministry lead. Uh, It's called Middle Ground Coordinator, so he works with middle school kids at his church. Uh, Important note, Kurt and I have known each other for a very, very long time. Uh, He's actually one of my dearest friends, and he's he's just a great guy, one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. And he's very passionate about what he does. I ask some prodding questions to get that passion to come out at times, and it's fun. Um, and you'll, you'll see. And there's a lot of wisdom that he has to share. And I'm glad that I can share this conversation that I had with him with you all. A few things before we get into the interview itself. Uh, one... Uh, after listening to all of the content, I realized that the scale of the topic at hand is just, it's simply massive. Kurt said some very compelling things all throughout the conversation, um, and I found myself thinking, but yeah, but what about this, and what about this, and what about this? Uh, I kept wanting to chase all of these different things, go down all these different avenues, and we simply didn't have the time. Um, there's so many things that I, I would love to follow up on. And we're definitely going to have a part two and probably even a part three. This might be kind of a continuous series because I think it's <clears throat> this is a topic that we're all interested in. We're all interested in how to be healthier people and how to practically go about doing that and how to have a good mental um, state in doing that as well. So we're going to have some more interviews with Kurt. And I wanted to go ahead and preface with that. Um, The second thing I also want to say before we get started is that we had a tremendous amount of difficulty all throughout this recording. There was all kinds of technical difficulties. Um, Primarily, the the call um, between us, I I interviewed uh, Kurt from afar through the phone, and the call probably dropped somewhere between 20 to 30 times. It was um, quite aggravating. Um, But beyond that, most importantly, um, this had a significant impact on how the flow of the conversation went. So if it sounds like it's choppy at some times or at a lot of times, it's because the conversation was literally chopped up um, by dropped calls. And so that really impacted just kind of the flow of the conversation in general um, and and the way we went about having it um, because we kept having to start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. Um, so it feels a bit awkward at times, and I just wanted to preface with that so you know what was going on and that we're not totally awkward. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was just part of the technical difficulties. And then the last thing I would like to say 
a bit of an apology. Um, uh, I'm still working on my radio conversation voice. I'm just a priest. I did not go to podcast school. They didn't teach us podcast stuff in seminary. Um, so, you know, I, I'm still figuring this out as I go. Um, and I'm mainly still trying to learn how to not sound like a total idiot <laughs> in conversation. So apologies in advance for all of the ums and all of the awkward times where I, I'm clearly grabbing for words to say and trying to wrap my words around a thought. Um, part of all of this has to do with all of the technical difficulties because I found myself I had to repeat the same thing about 10 times at a couple different occasions just because the call kept getting dropped and we were starting over again. So it just impacted, you know, how you go about having a conversation. But part of this too is also just a profound lack of self-awareness on my part. Um, you know, self-awareness is a terribly elusive thing and it's always really gross when you have to sit down and actually listen to a recorded version of your voice. I, I don't like it. I don't think most people do. Um, but you learn a lot about how you sound and how you come across and how many times you say the word um <laughs> whenever you do it. So I'm working on that. And for future episodes, I'm going to be more mindful of those types of things. So without further ado, let's talk about health stuff. Kurt McDowell. Hello, sir. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Good. In, in all of the official podcast stuff, you always got to have a good icebreaker. Um, of course. But, you know, that's what all the pros do. So why not? Um, first question, really important question. Um, since we're talking about you as a personal trainer and somebody that's really big into exercise science, um, how much can you squat, bro? Oh, shoot. Um, that is a work in progress as always. Um, so this means probably not that much if you no, tiptoe around it. Okay. Not, not that much. <laughs> I, would be, I think if I was feeling good, uh, I think I might be able to hit 300 if my technique, my technique will be really funky. Um, a little bit beyond that. I don't know. It's been a long time since I, I, I just recently hit like a new PR. Um, I was really happy with like the depth of the squat. Um, I had some knee valgus on there that I wasn't happy with. So, um, but I was happy with the weight considering like what my prior max was. So I'm excited with the number. It's just some technique stuff. So I would say a, a conservative 300 right now to be, to be safe. Yeah. I think. Well, that's, that's not bad. That's a good place no, to start. There's worse. <laughs> there's way better. <laughs> Which modern day athlete inspires you the most? Oh, what a question. Modern day athlete. I actually have to think about that for just a second. Hmm. Yeah. Somebody somebody you, you, you've seen you've seen and it was like this person really has their stuff together. Like, um, especially from your your career path perspective. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Dang, that is a solid question. Um Honestly, I don't really follow a lot of uh, well-renowned people. Um, the one that comes to mind, as I'm, I'm a Chargers fan, so it's gonna hate. I'm gonna hate to uh, admit this. Um, well, actually, no, I do have an answer for that. Um, uh, Bennington for the Blues. Oh yeah, uh, 
like his his demeanor in the like throughout the season, especially last season, um, just like as focused and almost emotionless. Um, he's very committed to his craft, and then seeing him play in Game Seven is just like he like willed the victory almost single handedly, and then to see him enjoy the moment uh, when it came place because there was a joke that like, is he gonna smile? <laughs> is, oh, yeah. is he gonna? is he going to be satisfied with being a, a Stanley cup champion or is he going to be like next season? And yeah. he like, well, he stop until he retired. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. then it, so, um, but that, that's like the best way to answer it. I don't really look, um, I don't really hold a lot of motivation for, um, a lot of people really. Most of the motivation that I hold for my field actually comes from like scientists and professors nice. more so, uh, and other coaches rather than athletes. And, yeah. uh, and uh, really gifted uh, individuals in that manner. Yeah, and to give a heads up to people, like a lot of the listening audience here would be from Wisconsin. So the person you're talking about was Jordan Bennington, the goaltender for the St. Louis Blues, who mm-hmm. helped like really like 90, 90% of the reason why the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup championships <laughs> this last season yeah. was pretty much him. And basically you're referencing like he was just like cold faced, just like looked emotionless, whether they won a tremendous victory or lost a devastating defeat. And people were like, is he just like a robot? <laughs> like, is he, you know, and he was a, he was a rookie too, which is the crazy thing. Yes. Um, but turned out just to be a phenomenal goaltender and the, helped the blues go from last place at one point in the league to winning the championship. Um, but it was great watching him like get, actually get emotional. Finally, like mm-hmm. he let himself kind of break down and live into the moment. Mm. But he had such such a just like a laser beam of a focus through the whole playoffs. It's it was amazing. Uh, yeah. Reddit and the internet had so much fun <laughs> with it. Uh, there are a lot of Reddit quotes that I'm wanting to share, but I would butcher them. Uh, but like you'll see like gifs and clips of games, and then the Reddit community would like comment that uh, or or like caption him in it. And they were very creative and incredibly hilarious uh, what they would come up with because of his lack of um, emotion and expression is so I would encourage that for anybody to just like get to know him as a person and character when he's in season and then look at what Reddit says about him because yeah. it's, it's hilarious what they'll, what they'll come up with. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. I think my uh, most inspirational modern day athlete, if you can call him such would be Richard Simmons. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. He's just, I'm sure there's been, there's would probably say plenty of things in the Reddit universe about him as well. <laughs> yes, there are there are yes. several. <laughs> but you know, say what you will about the guy. Like I'm, like I'm pretty convinced that like if I were to cross him in a street fight or something, like he would just totally kick my ass. Even for today. most people, yeah. most people. Yeah, but, if he's but, wearing the same outfit. But the hair, the outfits, the energy—it's just—it's he's the real deal, you know. <laughs> Um, okay, so this is kind of the last oddball question, um, but a very important question before we mm-hmm. get into like the real content of things. Um, right. So as Christians and, you know, uh, the, the tradition, the flavor that you come from, well, we have this in common. So in the creeds, we confess that Jesus will come again in glory. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say that upon Jesus's glorious return, he actually appears to us as some well-known jacked athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, which athlete um, would uh, oh. you like Jesus to reappear or to reincarnate himself as? Which athlete? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Um, or, or coach, if you want to throw that in there or something like that. Yeah. It would de- it, the image is definitely more uh, 
athlete centered. I'm thinking of like <laughs> uh, seeing him seeing him come back as Bill Parcells, like uh, the football coach, would be hysterical. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I think as far as, like, an athlete goes, if I had to pick any athlete from uh, – uh, I would probably have to be, like, Joe Montana being, like, one of the most successful <laughs> quarterbacks ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my initial thought. Um, or, like, just or just some random tennis player that no one knows. <laughs> that there would be equally – That seems more apropos for him anyways, yeah. I, I think I would go with um, the macho man Randy Savage. Oh um, my I get a gosh. lot of satisfaction out of like just picturing Jesus um, snapping into a Slim Jim. I don't know what it is. And like the like the gold and like red unitard with the cowboy hat, you know, all that stuff. I could just, yeah. And then just, uh, just awesome. thinking about Jesus, Jesus putting somebody into a headlock and doing a body slam. Like just, it's all good stuff. Yeah. Steve Austin <laughs> or I think The Rock would be good. Would be good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be good too. So. Jesus coming back as any like professional wrestler, uh, it would just be a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, can we we could probably go on to like the serious stuff now. Uh, if we sure. Let our, after all of that, allow ourselves to make a shift. So, um, given your background and your career path and your area of expertise and your passion, can you give us just like a picture of what a healthy lifestyle looks at <clears throat> looks looks like? So, like, if you can sum up what the types of things that healthy people do, what would you say they are? Like, what are the most important key things in terms of being yeah. a healthy person? Uh, if you had asked me that question, maybe like two years ago, it would have been a completely different answer. Um, it would have been probably a little more on a little more geared and biased towards a more extreme version of it that I would have thought would have been healthy. And it probably would have been physically. Um, but it would not have probably led to a lot of mental health and even emotional health yeah. and, uh, and even spiritual health in that sense. Now, if you were to ask me, it's a person that is very, very much balanced. And it's somebody that can uh, spend time being very physically active throughout the week. And what I mean by that is like maybe they go for a walk or a jog or a run even um, or a swim and they – aren't afraid to lift weights every now and then and not even like a very periodized or programmed um, routine for either like conditioning or resistance training. Uh, but they engage in like two sessions of each, each week or so, give or take the week or give or take the session. But on average over the course of like a month or a year, it's like two sessions for both. Um, they eat, balanced meals that are not oversized so vegetables lean meats um for most meals uh, like three to five meals a day or so if they can whichever is convenient for them and then they also find time throughout the week to enjoy those meals that are a little bit more like pizzas or desserts like cookies something that they can enjoy for the mental side because everyone needs or most people need that in, in their lives to just enjoy. Um, and then physically healthy that I feel like summarizes it a decent amount. They're physically active and their nutrition is taken care of. Um, they, they enjoy their coffees, their sodas, their water, uh, their sweets and sugars, uh, their fats, all that. They get to enjoy that to a moderate amount because it's a balance. It's a lifestyle of balanced. Now, if you're, coming to me from the perspective like i want to be as strong or fit as possible 
or physically healthy as possible, then I'm like, okay, then that might change the answer. But if you're asking like strictly health, like a health in general, yeah. I take that into the consideration of mental um, and longevity health in a sense. So that way they can have a lifestyle that they can enjoy for a long period of time and yeah. that not sacrificing their social health, like their social health. Like I know some people that are very, very physically fit and very physically healthy and they engage in everything very, very well, but they're so focused on the physical side that like, let's say they have some friends that want to go get pizza or they want to go get some ice cream or something down the road. They will avoid the social con the, the social outing altogether because they know that, or they're so concerned that they would go out and enjoy that camaraderie rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. So they sacrifice it all together. And I don't, yeah. From a physical person, like physical performance side, I could see why, but from my pure health, there's some social and mental health that's potentially not balanced out quite well there. Maybe, maybe there is, there's a whole lot of other factors to look at, but that's like a general thing. So as far as health goes in general, it's like a little bit of everything, but moderation, moderation is key. That, that very famous, like, choice of words that's very true for our every element of health yeah that's really the heart of why, why i was asking you i thought you would give a really but well like well balanced answer um because in my experience maybe like my own personal journey but just like especially with people around me you know we it's easy to like just like you 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 look at the mirror and you feel like some sort of dissatisfaction you know you don't feel happy with what you see and then you decide to get really hardcore about it um, and you go like 110% into one direction and then you, you know, like you're isolating yourself from social situations because you don't want to fall into temptation and you're miserable because you're eating, um, you know, like what it feels like lawn clippings, just eating like, you know, veggies or whatever, or like you're, you're so like restricted that you're just like making yourself miserable. And there's in some ways like changing from unhealthy light habits to healthy habits. There's some hard hardship. There's some kind of sense of resistance. Like, so it's not easy. But like, if you're absolutely miserable the entire time, it's just not going to be a sustainable system, you know, um, in my mind. And so in, in our, our tradition, the Episcopal Church, and with some other traditions, too, like we have feast days and we have fast days. There's a time to fast and there's a time, of, time to feast. And like if you if you take not if you don't just interpret that literally, but you take it kind of as just like an ethos, like there's a time to have your pizzas and there's a time to um, observe moder more moderation, you know, and I see that balance in what you're saying. And I think it's really wise. Yeah. And there is a element that I'm excited to talk about later that I was just talking to somebody about like over coffee uh, about a month ago over that very same concept that there's like seasons very much spiritual seasons, but there's also seasons for your physical health as well. Okay. Fascinating. Okay. Well, we can get to that soon. Um, I want to ask you a question that's probably going to trigger you a little bit. And that's part of the fun of this. Um, hey, tell us which weight loss fad works the best. Gosh. Um, oh man. I'm, I'm, I about, I about was probably inappropriate and very vulgar, but I was able to rein it in for a little bit. That, that, that the question does instantly, um, tilt me into oblivion <laughs> uh, i noticed this i asked this question because it's fun following you on the facebooks and how ranty you oh, get about oh <laughs> weight loss fads so i wanted there, to see if was, we can trigger some of that rage um oh and, gosh, and moderate vulgarity uh even if you want to so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there was a there was a point in, in my life where i was trying to be uh very very cautious i didn't want to step on any toes i wanted to be everybody's buddy and friend and i still do 
um, in pretty much every facet of life. But whenever people bring up these like uh, it works programs or <laughs> like herbal life, and I'm just like, all right, I'm about to freaking throw the gloves off and I'm about to beat your ideology into submission with science and reasoning and actual logic. And I get very, very, very frustrated. Uh, and you, yeah, that's coming out. Uh, none of them. None of them work. <laughs> none. There's not Why? one. Why? Be- well, they they can work. They have this. The the why is um is the, the is the skewed reason that they work. It's not for the reason they claim. So like the the whole keto thing, uh, it works for some people, and it's not because uh, carbs are bad. Uh, or what what is it? What is another one? Um, that is just like ridiculous. <laughs> I like the uh, uh, the carnivore diet. You just uh, eat oh meat God, products. That does not work. That one that will put you in the hospital. Does <laughs> <laughs> not work. Um, but the the whole the whole concept where, um, okay, so the keto one is like the hot one right now. So I'll focus on that one. Uh, okay. It can work. Um, like with all these other big mainstream with these public spotlight diets like the keto diet currently which is basically a newer rendition of the atkins diet i believe if i'm thinking correctly i I didn't do my research and homework before um hopping on with you today but the reason it works and the reason all of these work depending on the goal of course is calories are equated for what do i mean by that so with typically the average american when they're looking for a diet to attain a certain goal more often than not it's for weight loss uh, especially in america and what the keto diet does like what other diets that succeed is that they cut out calories um high fats were demonized for a while and so have fats are bad for me no fats are actually incredibly healthy for you and if you don't have fats at all in your diet then you're actually jeopardizing a lot of hormone processes that are really vital for health in general let alone optimal uh, body composition changes and when we go back to the keto diet it cuts out carbs well people start thinking carbs are bad we have all these people losing weight so obviously carbs are why i'm fat no it's because we have a lot of calories in our system And the keto diet removes those calories in the form of carbohydrates. And so whenever you are are in a caloric deficit where you're lacking calories in your diet, your body starts to lose body fat. It has, the carbs have something to do with it, but the calories are the big reason why I can, I can have two people eating the same amount of calories at the same body weight. And I can have one person cut out all their carbs and I could have one person cut out all their fat. And as long as their calories are the same, their results will be very similar. Uh, mm-hmm. Protein, we're leaving out because that's a whole other conversation. Protein is equivalent for um, other reasons. We'd, there's, there's, there, I'm trying to like contain uh, my words to not let me wander down all these little rabbit holes that I want to explore. Sure. Uh, as, as we've done in the past, I'm trying to like save <laughs> viewers that that excursion um but that is the why is that calories are acquainted for uh they work but not for the reason that they claim and that's what's so frustrating is that it's very misleading you'll have people that are so frustrated and they'll give up um because they don't understand the process because they're being misled and that's what's so frustrating 
because it's a very important topic. Everyone's health, their goals to see people go from a, a, a health standpoint, like you said, and it's really sad because uh, there's everybody, uh, there's not everybody, but there's a ton of people that wrestle with those self image uh, uh, experiences. They look in the mirror and they don't like what they see. That's, that's really sad. Um, and there's a whole other topics we could talk about just in that alone. But whenever you have somebody that goes from that point where they just don't like themselves physically to being excited about reaching that goal, they lost those pounds, they fit into their old clothes or they had to get a new wardrobe or they feel awesome. And I've been on the end to help people get to that point. But whenever you have these people who are uneducated or unqualified preaching these things like the gospel Hmm. jeopardizes those individuals that are desperate and they'll cling and they'll go for something. And these people prey on them. And that is why I get so triggered so easily because like there are people watching, like I've had people come up to me and say, Hey, I love reading your stuff. And I'm like, I didn't even know we were on Facebook or I didn't even know you followed my stuff. People, people will find that information. And when it's bad information, you get upset because you're not, you're, you're thinking of yourself in some form or fashion, you may genuinely think that you're proclaiming something that's good. Hmm. But I think we need to have some form of accountability. And unfortunately, social media doesn't have that in place. So people can just run rampant with misinformation. And it, 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 it can literally cost somebody a lot of time and effort. And that can be really demoralizing for people. And that's why I get so upset. Uh, yeah. yeah. These. I didn't make that too real or too, too de- depressing, but that is the why as to how they work. And that is why I get tilted. <laughs> with yeah. Those topics. yeah. Thank you for the tangent. It's good. <laughs> I was, that's what I was hoping to trigger. <laughs> um, okay. Your plan so, works. So, so, so to, to come on to the other side of, of that and to come, to come out of the negative with the positive, let's say, let's say you're, you know, somebody's listening to this podcast um, and um, let's say they're like middle-aged, you know, so um, going through life, like, uh, you know, they're, they're not 17 anymore. They don't look like they did when they were 17 and they look in the mirror and they're like, okay, like stuff is starting to kind of slip away from, from me here, health wise and weight wise. I need to kind of, I really feel like I want to reel it in and I want to do it in the best way possible and do it, do it wisely. Um, so you are talking about, um, calorie calorie restriction on some level right in order for weight loss so like what what i know that it's not a one size fits all like people's um current weight people's you know um uh body fat percentage you know all that stuff it, it factors in um but like what kind of advice would you give so somebody who's just looking to lose some weight kind of wants to get things back on track again had like a wake-up experience and realized like man like if I keep going down this path, like I, I, you know, by the time in another 10 years or so, like it's just going to get worse and worse. Um, so what, what advice would you give them? So don't definitely don't do the fad diets, mm-hmm. but what, what would you suggest? Like what's a good starting point? What are some good things to think about in terms of healthy weight loss? There is, there is that bias where, uh, it is harder for people uh, who are older to lose that weight. And I think it's for different reasons than they may realize when, and, and it may not necessarily be for bodily reasons. In college, I was always afraid of turning 30 because my professors made it out uh, or at least one or two uh, class sessions made it out to be like 30 is where everything starts to slow down. And there is some truth to that. 
or no, there is truth to that to where like uh, bone mineral density stops building on its own at the age of 30. Um, and as far as like weight gain on 30s, they, there is a trend of that. But I think for different reasons, for the bone mineral density, for example, uh, I actually uh, measured or not measured. I estimate, right? I, I looked at, I did a test on an individual who's in his mid 40s. And there was a huge jump, or it was his mid, mid, thir, mid to late 30s, rather. There was a huge jump in his bone mineral density. It actually went up. And I was looking at him. I'm like, that shouldn't be possible. Or that shouldn't be that shouldn't be happening, especially to that extent. I don't remember the ratios, but it was a staggering amount. And I was like, what have you been doing? Different. He's like, well, I've been lifting weights a lot more frequently, and the weights have been heavier. And so what happened is his bones actually got stronger and more dense as a result from, uh, we believe, as the from the weightlifting. So there, the, the, for the middle-aged person, that was kind of like an unnecessary tangent to set up this point. Um, there's the same principles should apply to my understanding. Um, the difference is we, we get older and our lifestyles change. And a lot of people notice that we get older they just don't notice their lifestyle changes so they just want to associate the weight gain with age hmm. um and that may not necessarily be the case and i'm under the impression i've seen some tremendous transformations from people in their uh 40s they'll go from being uh fairly overweight to very overweight and then they're going to be just jacked uh, very lean body uh low body fats, great muscle mass, more athletic than most people my age. And if you sit there and look at them and you're like this, you can look at them and say this, they are an anomaly. Like that is physically impressive, which it is. It's impressive when everybody or anybody goes through that kind of transformation. But I feel like that isn't as big of an anomaly as people like to think because it's, easier for people to say that's really impressive from him i can't do that hmm. a big mm -hmm. thing these days is fasting so like mm -hmm. time restricted feeding intermittent fasting water fasting juice fasting all of that stuff um in your mind like you know is there any merit to it um do you think people should be looking at fasting as like a something serious, not just in terms of spirituality, but also maybe like health. Um, mm. And I just wanted to kind of just get your reaction. So it's definitely a fad <laughs> these days. How do you react to it? Is it, you know, a good thing that people are looking at fasting? Is it a, a bad thing? W what are your thoughts? Um, I actually was just talking to about this just yesterday at church. Um was sitting down with a couple guys and what, what was the question? It was just like, uh, we were talking about disciplines and practices that we're using and like any self-denial that we're using in our personal lives. And fasting has been for me personally, a weird journey because it's, it's required to some extent in the faith to engage in on some level. Um, and 
there, there's a ton of scripture that will talk about the the spiritual transformation that you go undergo. I mean, Jesus, I I remember correctly, started his ministry with a huge fast. Um, yeah, yeah, in the desert. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, there's there's a, almost like a transformation that takes place. But with that being said, uh, also, can you hear me? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, with that being said, there is a lot of conflicting information out on fasting. Uh, there's a lot of people that go crazy about it and say that this is the way to lose body fat and get absolutely shredded and jacked. And then there are some people that say that uh, you need to eat um, all the time in order to do those same things. And then you've got the, the, the people in the middle ground that are like, well, I just want to be healthy. I don't care to be a bodybuilder. I don't care to be insanely um, fit. And um, I think it, from, from your goals perspective, if you're obviously trying to like be a competitive bodybuilder, which I don't think anyone on uh, if there is like a competitive bodybuilder in your church, I'd love to sit down and talk with him about this, but I don't think that really pertains <laughs> to people. Um, yeah. My immediate answer to your audience is if they're just looking to be healthy, I think it's, they go hand in hand. Um, yours, it, it, it is a tool in your arsenal that can simultaneously help improve your health and your faith. And I think they happen simultaneously. With your health, as far as I think what we've covered um, in the prior recordings, we talked about how important calories are. And calories are like the number one thing that matter. And then there are other things that can contribute. Fasting helps to keep your calories in check. It's not the fasting itself. It's kind of like what we're talking about. It's not the, or with like with um, the keto thing, it's not the reduction of carbs that give successful keto diets um, or carb or, uh, or low carb diets success. It's the lack of calories that are the contributing factor that have been acquired through the lack of carbohydrates. Fasting, fasting does the same thing. It's not the, the time that you've gone without eating that does the miracle. It's the lack of calories contributed to your total caloric intake for that day that has been acquired through that window without eating. Um, but it, we, we ha as a society, we always seem to miss the mark, both in, in science and I feel like faith. Um, and we like to ascribe the results to just a tool because the tool is nice and flashy and sexy. And it's just like, this is what helped me. Well, like, cool. It helps you, but we can get the same results or similar results using a different tool for someone else. Like just because we used a hammer or just because we used a chainsaw to chop down a tree doesn't mean a chainsaw would do a really good job of hanging up a picture frame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's a different tool with different, with different goals in mind in a sense, but people will like to say this will help everybody. No, different people will do better with different tools in a sense. Um, 
And so with fasting, if you, I, I'm going to do an experiment here actually on myself starting next week. Um, I'm going to go through like a fat loss phase to trim up some body fat that I've accrued over a lack of um, dietary adherence over the last three or four months. And I'm going to implement fasting into it as well, in a sense, to see how that can help both my spiritual faith and see what the results are at the end. Um, yeah. But I won't go about it in the sense where fasting goes on for like days or even like maybe even a full day, but kind of mini fasts. Like on Sundays, I'll try to have like a fast for most of the day. And then on days where my exercises can be pushed into the evening, I'll have most of the mornings, if not up to early afternoons where there's a fast. And that's because I've been neglecting them in my spiritual life and I'm trying to find a way to incorporate them into my disciplines while simultaneously benefiting my physical uh, goals uh, towards fitness and health. Now, if I'm trying to gain weight, that I think is where I need to save those fitness phases of gaining muscle mass for seasons of life where fasting may not be um, as prevalent. If I've just left yeah. a season of where fasting is a lot in my faith, I try to I try to line them up, and if that makes sense, so that way yeah. one can benefit the other. And I think that yeah. that's probably the best way to do that. I was I was saying earlier is I think people tend to look in the mirror mm-hmm. and dislike something that they see, and they overreact to that. Um, in this negative kind of self image and they decide to do something radical about their weight loss or their health or their appearance. And they latch on to like, I'm going to do a 20 day water fast or a 40 day juice fast, or I'm going to do intermittent fasting four times a week, you know, or like four days a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, sure. That probably has helped. I'm sure that's helped plenty of people lose weight and maybe be feel a little bit more satisfied with what they see looking back at them in the mirror. But when it comes to this like balanced approach to health, like how much have you sacrificed of your social life in order to get the results Mm. that you feel like you need? Um, Or how much have you sacrificed your emotional well-being? You know, Mm -hmm. like is it, is it worth being shredded and, you know, 20 pounds leaner if you're just totally miserable and kind of a pain in the ass to be around Mm -hmm. because you're (laughs) so cranky, you know, um, because you've made yourself so miserable. And it seems like there's just not really a balanced approach in a lot of people's minds when it comes to weight, weight loss and health. It's kind of like all or nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I appreciate about the Christian tradition, and I think many spiritual traditions have this too, but I know like in our church, the Episcopal church, there's, you know, there's a time for fasting and there's a time for feasting mm-hmm. and you can apply that kind of philosophy just to life in general. Like there's a time mm-hmm to suck it up and to do the work and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there's also time to release the pressure of that and to feast, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And in, even in the, uh, the Episcopal tradition, and we, you know, we make a distinction between fasting and abstinence. So like fasting isn't like totally cutting something out. It's, it's like diminishing. It's, it's, it's seeking more of a moderate moderation approach, you know, when it comes to whatever it is that you're fasting. So when you Mm -hmm. fast, you're not cutting like I'm not cutting chocolate out completely when I mm-hmm. fast, but I'm 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 narrowing down the amount of chocolate intake that I'm having, mm-hmm. you know. And so like I'm 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 doing less instead of abstaining altogether. Mm-hmm. Where abstinence in our tradition is like you're choosing to abstain from food or from something for a period, um, 
And I, I, you know, I, I think the fasting approach by and large is probably like, according to our tradition, the way we define it is probably the healthier way. If you apply it to life in general, like you mm. learn instead of like doing away with calories all the time, <laughs> you, you learn how to narrow it down and to have moderation, you know? Um, and then, you know, the appropriate time when you need to, you know, it's, there's a season for moderating that more and mm-hmm. having less of an intake. And then there's a time also to fast or to feast mm-hmm. and to just kind of go crazy and to celebrate because that's, you, you have to also be able to celebrate those things in life as well. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I think, I think people find it really difficult to kind of go back to ebb and flow between those two points. Mm-hmm. It either it has to be like, we're just going to binge and eat whatever we want and not really mm-hmm. focus on anything in terms of restriction or moderation or we're going to overreact and just get really militant mm-hmm. <laughs> and extreme in our reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of what I'm gathering from you is it sounds like there needs to be kind of an ebb and flow of back and forth between seasons of feasting and seasons of fasting, um, you know, and, and to not go crazy extreme with it all the mm. time. Um, Cause it just, you just end up burning yourself out, you know, mm. like if you're doing this hardcore fasting and really depriving yourself whether that's in terms of your spiritual life or your physical life or both, like you're just going to end up, uh, you're, you're kind of self-sabotaging yourself. Like it may mm-hmm. work for a week or two, but then you just, you putter out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I noticed this in my own life whenever, uh, I was younger, I used to run cross country whenever I had like a positive view of myself, like when I could just kind of accept myself mm-hmm. and who I was and how I looked, I realized like I, when I went into exercising, it was actually a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Like it was something I was doing because I wanted to do it and I enjoyed doing it. But when there were seasons when I had a really negative self image, I would just beat the crap out of myself. Mm-hmm. I'd run like harder than I should be running. And I was doing it for days on end. And it like the, the whole exercise and running and all of that stuff, it just became less enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that like whenever I can just kind of like accept myself um, and have a good, at least like a semi-decent self-image or self-acceptance that like even exercise became easier. Like I I was able to run, but I wasn't feel like I was forcing myself so much. Mm -hmm. I was able to feel kind of lighter and just, you know, um, better about it. And it it may just be me. Um, No, there's, there's, there's a lot to say about that. Uh, and I have a feeling you would be um, in the majority because there's very much a psychological element involved in this whole environment that is health and wellness. And like in allowing yourself to engage in these things and um, just mentally what it does to you when you see yourself in that light. Um mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of people that I've talked to that wrestle with that. Um, I have wrestled with that more than I'm proud of. And it's not something that can be easily fixed per se. Um, but it's also not uncommon by any means at all. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever you see yourself in that negative light, it's, it's unfortunate to start with. Um, but it's, I'm trying to think of like how to, how to tack onto that because like what it does to you, there is a systemic thing where it's, it adds on to 
it, it, it affects more than just like, Oh, I just feel crappy. No, it's just like, it, there's a lot more to it in the sense that those negative vibes will actually bleed over into your other areas as well, because there's a very yeah. much connected and interconnecting of all these facets in our overall health, whether it's spiritual, physical, even social, like you were saying, um, I feel mm. for my poor fiance, she, she hates when I cut weight. Uh, and that's something that I've been trying to work on is we don't have to go out and eliminate whole places to like eat food because I'm, I'm trying to watch what I eat. Um, she, she joke, she jokes and says that she loves when it's time for me to gain weight because we eat out more and I'm more fun in that sense <laughs> and, and less cranky too. So I, that's obviously something that I have to work on. Um, in, in, in multiple areas, but, uh, overcoming that is a lot easier said than done. And oftentimes it just requires I guess, taking a step back to realize what you're doing, uh, and how it's impacting you, like the risk versus mm. reward. Mm. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> very well said. Thank you. I think I think that too is like where there could be we've not really delved into the whole like theological or spiritual component very much the churchy component the churchy but component I think yeah. that's where that's where like I think that's where Christianity could really shine if it could actually muster up a voice to speak mm -hmm. um, about embodiment and like self acceptance mm -hmm. and you know um, like it's an amazing thing I was listening to a podcast where Richard Rohr was speaking. He's a well-known, you know, uh, well-known name these days, and especially in contemplative prayer circles and spirituality circles. But he's talked about how it's like crazy ironic that like Christians teach and believe that God became flesh, that God took on physicality, but we've really yet to develop a theology of a, like a positive view of the body. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to pit spirit, the spirit against the body, mm -hmm. and we tend to villainize that which is a part, pivotal part of ourselves, the, the physical part of ourselves. Um, and I think that makes it all the more easy for us to demonize, you know, what we see um, and to beat up on ourselves for the way we look or appear, you know. Um, I mean, it's, it's really like a crazy thing to think about, like, what we Christians teach is that Christ took on human flesh christ became physical christ became a person the holy spirit abides within our bodies you know <laughs> like um we are god's temple mm. god abides within us the fullness of god the, the the reading from the lectionary this past sunday from saint paul was talking about how like the church is the fullness of god who fills all things like there there is there's you, you how do you word this uh, you look at the church and God is so fully manifest there within us in such a mysterious way. Like there's no more, it's not like there's more God on reserve somewhere else that you can go and find more of God. Like when you look at the church, it says that Paul teaches us that the fullness of God is manifest within us. And it's a really radical thing that like we are God's home. Like we are God's mm -hmm. abode. Like the divine is within us. And yet we beat the crap out of ourselves for what we, what we see in the mirror. Like we don't love what God has chosen to love. Like we aren't at home in ourselves, even though God has made God's self home mm -hmm. in us, you know? And I think when it comes to self-acceptance and this more positive image of ourselves and overcoming the, all this negative self-imagery, 
-hmm. I think the church really has a responsibility to speak to that because we have such a robust theology of it, but for some reason we just don't really do it. Mm -hmm. And that's a shame, you know? Um, Gosh, there's so many things that I'm wanting to just like word vomit out right now. So it's, I'm trying to like, go ahead. (laughs) That's what I've been doing the last few minutes. what what you're speaking that dichotomy between the spirit and the flesh i think i uh, it's actually something that i think that the lord had placed on my heart before i even realized that it was even an existing thing which is an odd thing to even like articulate um because obviously my faith has been a big part of my life and then my um my passion for the anatomy uh, physical, um, attributes, strength and conditioning, how the science is behind the body work. That is like just an equal level of my life. As far as my, like, um, my love for both areas and this conversation that we're having right now, I think is like actually the, the beautiful marriage between the two. We, we have this, we have, we have scripture that'll say, like in Psalms, Proverbs, and then throughout the gospel and the new Testament, and even in dating back throughout the old Testament, throughout literally the whole Bible, um, that we need to be on watch for the flesh and its desires. Yes, that, that is very evident. Um, but then we also have opposed, not opposing, but supplementary scriptures that say that God, God created us and we are good. Um, and that we are we are sinful and we are rebellion. Uh, we we were to an extent and in a rebellious nature to God. But he, like you like you said, your same thing. He he dwells within us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that that and, and ever since our conversation that we had a few weeks ago, that has just been evolving more and more and more. Like you were saying that that's not just. I even went and studied with a friend of mine. The like the 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 translations of that. And I, I'm struggling. I'm failing. I think it's in first Corinthians that it talked about that. Um, but it is very much a literal temple. It was saying mm. Uh, mm. very much a literal dwelling place for the Holy spirit. And there's this, so, something that I've come to the conclusion to, and I don't know if it's um, a healthy conclusion. Uh, that's something that I'm always like on guard against whenever I'm like openly acknowledging and talking about theology is just like where is this scriptural and where is this like my faulty understanding so i want to preface that with saying this but uh or i want to preface by saying that um and by prefacing i've completely forgot what i was going to say (laughs) (laughs) there you go i was so concerned with like not speaking uh, a heretical thought and just proclaiming it boldly that I completely forgot what it was going to be altogether. Something about the, the temple you were studying the, te- the, you know, the temple and there's kind of been a, been a, like a new development. So like the body is the temple of God and you, you uh, developed even something further from there. Um, um, shoot. Um, I have no, there was like an inkling of a thought uh, that I was going to, I was gonna <laughs> so with being like completely and utterly unbiblical and wrong and that i just maybe it's the holy spirit just like no you're just not gonna go there you just repressed uh, it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um which very well could be the case but i guess to kind of summarize that thought all together is that um oh that's what it was gonna be um which i don't think there's anything wrong with the thought that acknowledging our sin but 
I feel like when we acknowledge it to the point that it belittles, but not belittles us, but yeah, belittles us. Yeah, I would say yeah, yes to that. That's the best way I could describe it. We are still adopted children of God. We are still made by a loving father that desires to be with us in every possible loving way. And with all that being true, we can still focus on the love of God in that same breath. It's like if we had one last breath to speak one sentence in this planet, on this existence, it's why would we spend that breath acknowledging how sinful we are when we could be acknowledging how glorious God is. Yeah. And when we, uh, that has been something that I've been really thinking about lately. It's like, both are very true. Both are very true, but it's like, I feel like one deserves more attention than the other to an extent. Now we still with our sinfulness. We still acknowledge it, but when it inner, when it, when it starts, when that, and when that thought process starts to seep into, well, I am completely and utterly sinful. Yes. But God is also within us. So where do we draw that line? It's like yeah. what we're talking about where does the, the sinfulness of TJ end and where does the holiness of God begin? Mm-hmm. Obviously that's the end. goal. But getting to that point is what we all strive to do. And I think that when we, start to look at look at the flesh as something that it is sinful, but it's also a gift from God. It's like yeah. everything else. Everything has been uh, many, many things in our world were gifts from God, but our human nature takes that and warps it into sin. So yes, flesh can be a sin, but there's that residing of the Holy spirit within us and acknowledging that and coupling that with um, theology, I think kind of, brings us to this conversation that we're having here that it can be a a beautiful thing a a literal temple um, where god resides and that is i feel like that if we were to start preaching that that christians loving jesus and loving everybody walking around our literal whole like mobile holy temples of the holy spirit and that has just kind of thinking about that more it's always been there but think giving up more thought over the last couple of weeks has been really cool to think about. And then I feel like that just drastically increases the importance of taking care of that Holy temple, you know? Yep. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to say some things that are going to sound rather heretical to a lot of folks who may be listening to this, but uh, I, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Elizabeth of the Trinity. And she says, your vocation, like your whole, your whole calling in life, is to simply let yourself be loved by God. Hmm. I think we make, we are the ones who have made God's love conditional. And I think we are the ones who have made sin the big, the big problem. I think sin is a much bigger issue for us than it is to God. Um, I, in my mind, the gospel is that God is love, that God has took on human flesh, that God has entered into our pain and suffering in the person of Jesus Christ through the cross and God has entered into not just the church, but every facet of creation. Um, that's how deeply penetrating the incarnation is. Um, and, you know, I, God's love for you isn't conditional on your love for him. You know, it's a, 
it's a thing that God has already done. And I, you know, it's a thing where, um, in the end, I think the people who refuse God are the ones who realize that they are standing in the middle of a great heavenly party and they just don't realize that they're there, Mm. (laughs) you know? Um, and so for me, yeah, I'm, I'm saying a lot of things here. I'm also like word vomiting at this point. I feel like that's half of our conversations together. Which is, like, which is, is good. And hope that some of it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> and but, but in my mind, the biggest obstacle, so if you think about it, what's the hard thing for the vast majority of us? The hard thing for me is not convincing myself that I'm like a sinful, wretched, hell-deserving piece of shit. Like mm. I already feel that in my bones. Mm. What I, what the hard thing for me is just to let myself be loved. To look, to look at the face that I see staring back at me in the mirror, and to say, without hesitation, God loves this. <laughs> Therefore, I, I should let myself be loved. You know, I think all of this weight of sin and all this sin talk, even in the Bible, I think it's kind of a projection of our own insecurity. And we, we, we hate ourselves, so we just kind of surmise that God probably does too. And I just don't think that's true. I think the gospel breaks down all of that. <laughs> um, and so um, I, I think we see a duality or a dichotomy where one does not exist. The only place it exists is in our minds, you know. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. Something- Something to, to tack on to that. No, that was, that was awesome. Uh, something to tack on to that is I remember, I, I, think, I think it was in a book from either C.S. Lewis or N.T. Wright that I read a few years ago, but that um, it's like, thank goodness that the, the Christian faith or my Christian faith um, is based on God's faithfulness to me and not the other way around. Because if it was, mm-hmm. I'd be doing it. Um, and it kind of just goes back into that. It's just like God's love is unconditional. Thank goodness for that as well. And it, it, it letting ourselves be loved, being the object that gets in the way of God's love is ourselves, I think is very, very, uh, it hits home. And I was actually talking to the same group of guys I mentioned earlier that it, literally in the same conversation we mentioned yesterday is that one of them uh, admitted to that it's just like a hard time. They have a hard time and struggle to let them themselves be served like let others serve them and pray for them he would much rather do the praying for them much rather do the serving for them um, or serving them hands and feet than the other way around and i think that kind of goes hands and feet like it's just we have a hard time letting ourselves be loved not only by god but by others uh and serving others is easier loving others is easier than actually letting that take place uh for us um yeah I just connected that to a conversation I had having literally just yesterday. Uh, I think, and, and, and I think most of this, if not all of this could be agreed upon to an extent. Um, it's just sometimes I think, at least speaking from personal experience, I might believe something, Yeah. but it's like the, the, the place down where I'm standing in life might alter my view of it. And then it's just like, Oh, Oh, well, duh. you know, how many moments have you had where you're, it's, it almost seems like common sense, but mm-hmm. you don't think about it until it has been maybe said with a different 
tone or t- context or situation. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, then, yeah. So I think most of the things that, um, like you would just said, are in that same light where I think most, you were saying this may sound heretical. I think for the most part, um, I think that, that would, would, I would imagine it would ring true to others or most yeah. others. Yeah. I, I'm of the strong conviction that I, I really don't believe that the church has actually really accepted the gospel yet. <laughs> like we, we preach it like we think we know what we're talking about. Um, but I just don't think we grasp the radicalness of God's love and the radicalness of what God has done, you know, um, on our behalf and on behalf of just the whole creation. Like, um, yeah, it'll be nice when the church begins to uh, actually accept the gospel, that God is love, period, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and that God indwells people in all, all things, you know, like once we begin, like actually get the vision for that and have that moment of coming to, it's going to be a radical, it'll be a radical revolution in the church and beyond, you know, but for, for in, the, for in the meantime, we're just too busy getting in our own way yeah, <laughs> and, and blinding ourselves because of our, our negativity and our, you know, all of that. So I feel like I do an exceptional job of being the obstacle within my own path and not same here, not just yeah. but just in life in general. Same here. Um, that, but going, touching on that topic that you just mentioned, like how, um, what is it that you just said that we don't fully understand the gospel? I would love to see it, like, have that same question asked to a bunch of people and just kind of hear their response to that because that's a, that's a, that's a statement that I haven't really heard um, in, a, mm. in like prior conversations, but it's also not one that I've ever thought to ask either. So to hear yeah. like other like comments and backgrounds and uh, it's just something that I find curious that I would like, I'd love to like, I, I plan on asking that question to like a couple others that I work with and just like see what they think as well. Yeah. For me, if, if the gospel has to have conditions to it, like if you, <laughs> if the gospel is only good news to you, uh, <laughs> if you accept it, um, I, I, I wonder how gospel your gospel really is. <laughs> that's, that's the thing for me. Like, I think, I think God has done things uh, on our behalf out of love, regardless of how we respond to that love, you know? Um, and so that makes me, it, you know, it, it makes me what it is <laughs> in terms of, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, yeah. Uh, I, I just think that God's love is so much more, penetrating and deep and universal than we like to give it credit for. And I think we put way too much stock in our decision-making. You know, I have to decide just the right way in order to appropriate this love that's already mine. Like in my mind, we're we're seeking out after something that has already been fully given to us. Like, I think God's love has already been fully given to us, to each of us. And we all are already God's temple that you don't have to acquire something that you already have. You just have to wake up to the gift that's sitting right there in your lap or actually within your heart. It's there. You just have to wake up to it, you know, as opposed to acquiring something that you don't have already. I don't know what all this has to do with health and wellness, but it probably has everything, probably has everything to do with health and wellness. You know, when, when you mentioned one, uh, somewhere in the background, the other is, uh, looming, to be like trying to and that's like that's the, the the stance that i've accepted as far as like the physicality of the 
human body and the spirituality of the human soul. I feel like there's just like they're, they go hand in hand everywhere together. Yeah. Well, there's a conversation to be had somewhere. Uh, the other is is near. Yeah. I just don't know where. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, I think that might be a good place to end it for now. I think we should probably have a round two uh, and delve even deeper into this kind of conversation at some other point. snippet from the sermon do you not know that you are god's temple and that god's spirit dwells in you sure we believe that the divine interacts with redeems and abides in human bodies as christians we do believe in the incarnation the resurrection and the outpouring of the holy spirit into human physicality human flesh after all Yet it is so hard for us to accept this truth in a specifically personal way. There's a major disconnect between the dogma and its implications for these things that we call bodies, the very stuff that we are made of. Why? Because we are so prone to hate our bodies. Whenever we look in the mirror, we often say, I don't like what I see. Whenever we are envious of the way that somebody else looks, we say, I wish I could be that person, or at the very least, I wish I could look more like them. Whenever we see the signs of aging, we wish our bodies were younger again. The truth of the matter is that because of our bodies, a great many of us spend a large amount of our time wishing that we were somebody else, or we spend a large amount of our time feeling shame over that which we presently are how we despise that which God loves. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We believe in the dogma, but we have a hard time accepting the mystical reality that we are God's chosen temple. We don't see ourselves as God sees us. And this is quite sad because God still loves and God still abides in our bodies, regardless of how we feel about them. Do you know what God sees whenever God sees you? Temple, home, rest. God sees the culmination of a project that began at the beginning of time, before the beginning of time even, the very location where true Sabbath rest is now being fulfilled. How close does God desire to be with you? You are a temple close, indwelling close, closer than your own breath close, closer than your own heartbeat close, so close that you cannot pinpoint exactly where you end and God begins close. Unfortunately, though, for most of us, it takes a lifetime before we begin to figure any of this out. But it doesn't have to be this way, though. Beloved, children of God, all we have to do is rest in God's resting in us. 
All you have to do is accept God's acceptance of you. To put it another way, as Elizabeth of the Trinity Trinity once said, your vocation is to let yourself be loved by God. Your vocation or your calling isn't to make yourself better and then come to God. Your vocation, your calling, isn't to earn God's love or respect for you. Your vocation, your calling, isn't to figure out what you need to do in order to get to God. Your vocation, your calling, is to accept what God has already done to get to you. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Since this is the case, we would do well to stop striving after that which has already been given to us. And we would do well to rest in the gift that is the giver. We would do well to accept God's acceptance of us as we remember the words of St. Paul. God's temple is holy, and you, you are that temple.